Okay, so I'm after doing a bit of work out on the mobile studio. I'm after putting another tube of expanding foam in it because I've reinforced all the joints. I'll do a video about that later, but the doors are waiting to set. The reinforcement is waiting to set. So happy days, good progress. I'm getting back to my notes and just going through it for my own benefit and the benefit of anybody who's listening who gives a shit. And the ne- one of the next notes that I have, I'm not going to go through all the notes because some of it's just completely not relevant, but this one is, it's it's potential guests is what the headline was. And there's two companies within a stone's throw of me that I'd love to speak to somebody in. One is Irish Country Meats and the other is called College Proteins. Now, Irish Country Meats, I think they have a few facilities around the country, but they've one in Navan and Mullaby Industrial Estate. And according to their website, they're Ireland's largest sheep processor. Now, I've spoken about this only recently, I think, it could have been the last couple of episodes, how companies phrase what it is that they do. Now, and I don't mean to fucking talk shit about Irish country meats here because I've no issue with raising lambs and sheep for slaughter and somebody has to do it and they're the business that's doing it and they're the biggest in the country at doing it. Um, but i just like to point out that largest sheep processor is largest sheep slaughterer. Okay, it, it's the same fucking thing, essentially. But... That's a rabbit hole that I'll go down on a later date. Um, there's a word for it. Euphemism. That's the word. It Processor is a euphemism for slaughtering and butchering. Okay? Um, euphemisms are used left, right and centre. The one that springs to mind was, um, or is, you know, I'm pro-life. That's a euphemism for being uh, in favour of abortion. No, is it? Fuck. I always get those mixed up, but you, you get the gist. And anyway, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole either. So Irish Country Meats, I'd love to get somebody on and I'd love to get a tour of their facility and see how the fucking sausage is made, as the expression goes. I'm sure somebody from there would have a, a lot to tell me about God knows what. I don't even know. Uh, college Proteins then, a similar industry. College protein. My understanding of College Proteins is all the waste that comes out of slaughterhouses around the country. So think chickens, cattle, sheep. I mean, we, we eat the meat for the most part. Um, the organs, some are eaten, some are not. A lot of it's exported. I think we export all our chicken feet to China, uh, for example. But there is still a certain amount of of waste. It could be fat. It could be, you know, sinews or whatever there's no market for it essentially has to get dumped. There's always going to be an amount of dumping in large-scale meat processing. And my understanding of college proteins, which is based in Nobber, bearing in mind I live halfway between, let's say, Navan and Nobber, what they do in college proteins is they take in all that animal waste and they convert it into, fuck, God knows what, I actually don't know. I know they've recently started processing it into biofuel, um, but I've I've maxed out my, my understanding. I remember just on College Proteins, I remember reading something that was pretty fucking bleak a couple of years ago. I think the figure was 20,000. I think we put down 20,000 dogs in Ireland every year. And my understanding is that that's where they go. They go to college, the, the bodies of these um, euthanized, for want of a better term, dogs go to College Proteins, which is a bit grim. But again, again these are companies that are around all of us and we don't know for the most part the first thing about what goes on behind closed doors and they're an integral part of our society and our culture and our industry and we should fucking know more about them so they're just two potential guests that I'd love to speak to and when I say potential guests I mean anybody in there willing to speak to me 
Um, the next one then, and I've, I've touched on the idea of doing this before, but I still haven't gotten around to do it. But I think the whole COVID thing and the whole redirection of my energies away from the business into off the lead, um, I think that's a, a golden opportunity. So the idea is that the episode will be split into two. The first half or version will be me pissing and moaning basically that my business is in flames, that all my work, all my blood, sweat and tears for the last five years has gone down the toilet because all the restaurants are closed. Any time that I've opened up in the last year nearly, I've lost money and that's set to continue as far as I see it. The whole industry is fucked. I'm not, I don't have any confidence that the uh, vaccine will cure all our problems, blah, blah, blah. You know, this happened in 2009. I lost everything that I've had fucking worked for. I ended up being suicidal. Am I going to end up being suicidal again if this business goes under? Ah, all negative, all narrow, fucking minded, all claustrophobic kind of thinking, all, all the downsides of what's going on around us. So that's the first half. But then the second half is... I've never felt freer in my life. I've been gifted this opportunity to do what I should have done fucking years ago. And that's concentrate all my time and effort and energy into off the lead because it's what I'm passionate about. And basically that's the, the other version. And the sentiment here, the gist, the overarching narrative is perspective. So, and it depends on what day of the fucking week you ask me or what time of the particular day. Now, it's all far more than... 51% in favour of the positivity, okay? Now, that's by accident and by design. But anyway, I might get into more detail about that when I actually do the episode. But it's just another note. I'm trying to get through the notes to refresh it and concretise it in my own head and bring you along on the journey if you're that way inclined. The next one then is, yeah, I just have a note to say, turn off the location on your phone. Now, this is a great tip for everyone and anyone for 101 different reasons and I'm privy to it only because of my background in fishing okay back in the day when I was an avid fisherman going fishing all the time I'd look up different websites and there'd be pictures of people who caught big pike or big carp or whatever it was and a sneaky little trick of sorts that you could do was you could download the photo go into the details of the photo and depending on the type of camera or whatever that took the photo and its capabilities, there was often the GPS coordinates of where the photograph was taken. And people don't know this. Most of us have your location permanently turned on on your phone. So your Google Maps works and fucking whatever else works. And it knows what country you're in. So it doesn't show you ads for something in England. It shows you them for Ireland. And better still, it shows you them from the town you're in and not Dublin and all that jazz. So it's great having your location on all the time. But every time you take a photograph, embedded in that photograph is the information about where that where the location of that photograph was taken. So if you don't want to be giving up your best fishing spots, turn off your location before you take a photograph. Now you might be saying, Frano, I don't go fishing, so why the fuck would I bother? Yes, but maybe you fucking do something else that you don't want to be telling people about. Maybe you go grow weed in your spare bedroom. And if you do, you don't want to be putting a permanent GPS fucking coordinates of where you're doing it. Okay, so it's time stamped as well. So if somebody that you don't want to get a hold of a photo of your fucking illegal grow gets it, not only do they get it, but they get it with a fucking, with proof of where the photo was taken. Okay, so you can't say, oh, 
I, I downloaded that image off the internet or a friend of mine in Holland where it's perfectly legal sent it to me. That shit won't fly. Now, again, that's a bit of an extreme example. But let's say you're a keen mushroom picker like I am, psychedelic ones and just uh, edible ones. A lot of mushrooms, if not all mushrooms, are, are annuals. So they kind of come back every year. So here's one for you. I found what's called a hen of the woods. I can't remember the, the actual term uh, for it, but it's a, it's a species of mushroom um, highly regarded as a, a delicious edible. And it's a big lump of a thing, so there's quite a bit of eating in it if you do find it. Now, the beauty of these things is they come back every year. So if you find one, you find one every year. But you don't want other people to know that because you don't want other people robbing your stash. So when I took a photo of that and I sent it to a mate of mine, or I, if let's say if I was to upload it to social media, I'm going to make damn sure I've turned off my location before I let everybody else know where it is. So that next year when I go to it, it hasn't been robbed by somebody that's seen my photo and looked at the details of it. But anyway, that's just I think that's a particularly good example of how something in my past has informed me of something that I can utilize now going forward both from a protection point of view so I don't inadvertently admit to illegal activity and also that I can take advantage of people who aren't smart enough to know always turn off your location okay so it doesn't necessarily have to be specifically about fishing these things have wider arching uses and utility but anyway that's I don't know why, but that came into my head writing down to off the location on your phone. That made me think, what, what 10 things could I instill in people's brains if I could think of them? Now, if you were to think of a, if you were to think of a top 10, the location on your phone is not going to be up there. But what would, up, would be up there? So I jotted down a few things. Now, again, these aren't in order. They're not my top 10. They're just a couple of things that kind of came to mind when I was writing a few notes last night. The first one, now again, this isn't the number one thing. It's just happened to be what came out of the fucking pen when I was moving my fingers and wrists last night. The differences between men and women and how we're mostly the same. Okay, so men and women differ. There are personality traits we all share the same personality traits basically and for the most part we're mostly the same but where the difference is really maximized is at the extremes so the most aggressive person is always a man and the most agreeable person is pretty much always a woman okay and that's why it's pretty much only men that are in prison and why it's pretty much only women who uh, take Childcare roles, okay, whether it's primary school teachers or people working in a crash or special needs people, that's generally women. Now, broad sweeping generalization alert all over the place here, okay. Just because practically all men are, sorry, just because the most aggressive people are all men and the most agreeable maternal, for want of a better term, are women, that doesn't mean that a primary school teacher can't be both a man and be very good at what he did. Out of all the teachers that I've had, the overwhelming majority of them being women, the ones that stand out for me, or the, the one that stands out for me is a guy called uh, Michael Leahy. Um, rest in peace, Michael. But Mr. Leahy, I had him in fourth class maybe, and he had a lasting impact on me. And the reason I'm mentioning the man's name is because I'm just trying to show how I'm not saying that men can't be maternal and all that jazz 
and women I'm not saying that women can't be you know aggressive fucking hard asses like Jesus Christ did you ever hear of Amanda Nunes Google Amanda Nunes, okay? She is proof positive that women can be fucking hard asses, okay? She doesn't have the lightweight and the bantamweight ultimate fighting championship belts because she's so agreeable and so nice and likes working with children. She's a fucking hard ass. Like, she's a, she kicked the fuck out of 99% of men in the world, okay? No question. So I'm not claiming that men can't do one thing or women can't do what another thing it's just generally speaking there are differences and i think that we'd be all the better for understanding those differences okay anyway i'm not going to get too i'm not going to go too deep down that because i have a list of things and i want to try and get through them so the next one and oh jesus here we go here here goes another tricky one this is a podcast on itself but I'll, i'll get the gist of it out of the way the note says or the note reads how parents might necessarily be paired to the right kid or kids and do that from the adult's perspective and the child's. I'm going to repeat that, okay? And I'm emphasizing two words here with good reason. How parents might necessarily be paired to the right kid. What do I mean by that? It's something that I'm only recently trying to wrap my head around. And again, I I don't want to get too deep into this because this is just one of many different points I want to make. But when my son was born, Fionn, um, you know, loving the bits, wanted a son. I'm a, a man enough to admit it. I, I want my preference was for a son. I got won the lot. Happy fucking days. But as Fionn grew older, it became apparent that he wasn't a kid to be thrown up in the air. He wasn't a kid, and still isn't a kid to be up on my shoulders. He's just not that type of kid, and I would have dreamt. I suppose if 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 I ever dreamt or if I ever looked forward and envisioned me with my kid it would be me you know picking him up and throwing him across the bed and you know launching him up into the air and going on roller coasters and going out and hunting with him and you know having him up on my shoulders and all, all these different you know kind of manly-esque things but Fionn's not built like that he's just not um, and that's not um, that's not a, a uh, degradation of, of of any shape or form. He's just he's just not that way inclined. Um, but that was hard for me because I I wanted because I'm I'm a, I'm a bit of a man's man and I wanted a man's man's son. Do you know I wanted to go fishing and shooting and you know blah, 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 blah. I wanted all that and I'm not going to get that from Fionn because Fionn now look. Maybe things would change over the course of his life. I know I was quite um, kind of weak and effeminate and touchy when I was was younger. And I did a complete U-turn. So maybe Fionn will do a U-turn. I wouldn't say hopefully he'll do a U-turn because I love him for who and what he is. But the only reason I think that I love him for who and what he is is because I've been blessed with the awareness to notice these things. So when I was a kid... And again, this is all with fucking 2020 hindsight about stuff that happened 100 years ago. But my lasting memory of my dad, right or wrong, my lasting memory is that he was somewhat like me insofar as he was a man's man and wanted a man's man's son. And I don't know if I lived up to that for him and I don't think that he was was blessed with the awareness that I've been blessed with to 
to kind of appreciate that and to and to notice it and to and to kind of course correct. Now, it's in no small part thanks to him that I do have that awareness. Okay, so there's a there's a there's a, a progressional improvement throughout the generations there, and I can only hope and pray that I'll do a good as good a job in raising my son as my dad did me, and I hope that Fionn will do an even better job at raising his kid and so on and so forth but when you think about it when you go looking for a partner because it's not just father son it's 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 father daughter as well and with kiva my subsequent uh kid she's only two she is more she's the the boy that i kind of envisaged having if that makes sense okay she does like to be thrown up in the air and and fucking volleyed across the room. Do you know that kind of way? She loves being up on my shoulders. And she's, you know, she'd be mad to go hunting and kill animals and fucking burn down forests and, you know, chop down trees and all that kind of stuff. That That's that's the way she is. Now, again, later in life, maybe she will and maybe she won't. I've no preference either way. Maybe she'll become a, a complete lady who, you know, wouldn't fucking dirty her fingernails. But... The kid that she is now is fucking rah, rah, rah. She's a, she's a man's man's kid. Like. But the reason that I mention her is just to, to bring in that it's not father, son. It's not father, daughter. It's it's mothers and sons. It's mothers and daughters. It's fathers and sons. It's fathers and daughters. Okay. And when we, when we try and pick a, a partner. So when we try and pick either a girlfriend or finally a wife or a husband or a boyfriend or whatever your preference is. When we do that, we're fussy as fuck. Like, really fucking fussy. Like, how many people do you have to go through, basically, to get to the to the right person? I would, I would hope it's a lot. I would hope you didn't fall into this caveat of, you know, marrying the first and only girl you ever kiss. Now, not that that's universally a bad thing. I'm sure it works. Maybe it works the majority of times. I don't know. I don't care. I have no real opinion on the matter. But what I'm trying to get across is there are differences between us and we have to kind of sort through them and narrow them down to the one that kind of fits that's going to be suitable for a long-term sustainable loving relationship okay so you have to you have to filter through people i certainly did anyway i don't know how many girlfriends i had uh, before i met herself settled down and made her my wife okay hey babe but with your kids it's different you don't choose your kids, okay? And your, your kids certainly don't fucking choose you. So we're not born blank slates. We're born certain ways. Now, environment plays a huge role in the whole nature and nurture thing. I'm firmly both all the fucking time. Um, but you don't pick your kids. So this idea that I think a lot of people have that they're going to have the perfect kids or the perfect family, like... Don't be so fucking sure. Be ready for a kid that's going to be challenging. Be ready for a kid that's going to rub you up the wrong way. Be ready for a kid that's, you know, let's say you're homophobic. Be ready for a gay kid. Let's say you're, I was going to say racist, be ready for a brown kid, but that doesn't really work quite as well. But I, I hopefully the, the, the sentiment of what I'm saying is, is going to come across. Be ready and it, 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 this is where wording becomes problematic because it was about to say, be ready to be disappointed. And that's that's the wrong way of wording it, I think. Maybe it's not the wrong way of wording it. It just doesn't sound great. It's like what I was saying in previous episodes about threatening my kids with Santi. Like, I don't like, I'm not comfortable with using the word threatening. 
But having said that, it's the appropriate word. I'd be lying if I didn't say there was a certain amount of disappointment in me when I realised that Fionn wasn't going to be the fire him up in the air and have him laughing his ass off type of kid. There was, but that was a reflection on my dumb ass and nothing to do with a completely, totally and utterly blameless, perfect human being. But anyway, so the difference between men and women, <laughs> how our kids might be as paired to us as we might like to think. IQ is the third one. No one's going to have an issue with people's IQ. Fucking hell. Anyway, IQ, again, it's just so that people understand that it exists where you are on the spectrum. So the average IQ is set at 100. Okay, so let's take, for example, I have an IQ of 100. Okay, what's the utility in knowing that you have an average IQ? Not a whole pile. But there's a lot of utility in understanding what someone with a high IQ, what what the difference between them and you is. And also what the difference between you and somebody with a very low IQ is. Okay, now I've spoken about this before and I'm just going to outline it very briefly here. But I would imagine, though I've never tested it, uh, I would imagine that my wife would have a higher IQ than me. Okay, she just, she has a knack of little things like, you know, remembering fucking 16 digit codes okay she'll just remember them you you rhyme off a 16 digit number to her she might ask you to repeat it but she won't ask you to repeat it a second time because it she'll have it i would i'd struggle with three do you know what i mean i'd really struggle with three um but her iq is slightly higher now that doesn't mean that she's a smarter person than me okay she will be the first to admit there's no fucking way she'd be able to sit down and have a four-hour relatively highbrow conversation with somebody about morality or ethics or psychology or fucking pharmacology or, or whatever, okay? It's just not her shtick, okay? And I was about to say there are different types of intelligence. There are and there aren't. There are different types of intelligence, but there's only one type of IQ. And whatever you get in an IQ test tells you a lot about yourself and how you compare to other people. But again, I I should, could and hope to do a whole episode on just IQ. But that's just one of the list of things, one on the list of things that I wish people knew more about. The next one definitely won't rub anyone up the wrong way. It's as I have it here, religion, spirituality, archetypes, meta narratives, memes, myths, unconscious, collective unconscious and instinct. There's I don't know what you call it, a cohort maybe, but all those things that I've mentioned, I'll name them again. Religion, spirituality, archetypes, meta-narratives, memes, myths, unconscious, collective unconscious, and instinct. I don't know what... I don't know an umbrella term that I can put all those things under. And I don't see anybody talking about all of them, with the exception of maybe Peterson. Uh, a guy I'm a huge fan of Jordan Peterson a, a Canadian psychologist he's done he's helped me out the most in this the other guys that, that ring that, that spring to mind would be Joseph Campbell and Alan Watts um, so there are, there are three guys well worth looking up that's another thing I must actually do is ah, here we go hold on I'm going to make note of this now as we do it and I'm going to pause to save you having to listen to me scribble and I'm back in the room. So I've just made a note there. Make a list of my most influential people. Like the, the people who've been most influential to me and why. Okay. So going back to, yes, the, the whole religion and all that jazz. 
I need to I need to sit down and spend and genuinely spend time. That that's not a cop out. I need to get my head around what the unifying thing is there. But anyway, on to the next one. Groupthink slash identity politics. There's a few more here. Jesus Christ, I'm in 24 minutes. There's a few more. I'm just going to write them off. So that one was groupthink identity politics. I want people to know what it is and how to spot it. The next one is drugs. Drugs, psychedelics, recreational drugs, medical drugs, all those kind of things. People tend to think of people who smoke cannabis as kind of losers and wasters and doing nothing. I smoke cannabis and run marathons. Okay, and loads of other people do something similar. And I'm not trying to brag there. What I'm trying to do is try and explain to myself and everybody else listening that drugs might necessarily be what you think they are. Okay. now the next one is conservatives and liberals. I think I I mentioned this uh, recently, but very quickly, conservatives typically broad sweeping generalization alert. Conservatives want things to stay the same and liberals or progressive people want to change things, okay? That's very black and white, broad sweeping generalisation alert, but it's very important that people understand that. The next one, which won't rub anyone up the wrong way, is class, okay? So I did a bit of a Google last night and I found that there seems to be five main areas of class. Upper class or the elite. So, you know, your fucking, your uncle is Taoiseach and your fucking auntie is Minister for Finance and you got a brand new car for your 18th birthday. Do you know that kind of thing? Upper middle class, you know, your 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 parents have businesses. You didn't see them a whole pile because they were always abroad on business. You went to a fucking a boarding school, that kind of shit. Lower middle class, you're doing all right. You know, you, uh, you have the best of everything, really. You get a holiday year. You mightn't have a fucking Ferrari, but you have a fucking decent Volkswagen Passat or something up the years. You're doing all right. Everything's grand. You know, you don't worry about anything financially, say. Anything you want, you more or less get. The next one, then, is working class. So, working class is... You're under a lot of pressure with your job because you can't tell your boss to go fuck himself because you can't afford to be at work. You're perpetually concerned about having enough money to pay your rent, pay your mortgage, buy fucking groceries, keeping your kids in fucking relatively good clothes, keeping them relatively well fed. Both parents these days have to work, so that's childcare and everything that comes with that. And then the next one is poor. And Jesus Christ, if you're poor these days, you're so fucked, it's incredible. But anyway, what writing down those five quote-unquote classes made me think of was the idea of doing a documentary, even just like, you know, a five-part series of solo, say, an hour long each, one on upper class, one on upper middle class, one on lower middle class, one on working class, one on poor. And the structure to each of the five episodes will be the same. They'd all say be an hour long. They'd all start with an intro into what each one is, the benefits and um, negatives of each one, etc., etc. Okay, the next one then, and I only got to nine of the 10 was dissect the late late show i'd love to do that i'd love to sit down and actually digest not digest dissect the late late show and what i mean by that is i'm looking to build a late late show styled program essentially an off the lead show whereby i would sit down in a studio and have a conversation that was recorded the visuals and the audio are all recorded and it's 
basically like a talk show. But it's a talk show whereby it's me speaking to someone for three or four hours. Okay. And what made me think of, of that was if I was to dissect the Late Late Show and actually spell it out for you and show how the sausage is made again. If I was to spell it out for you, okay, the Late Late Show runs for, let's say, two hours, okay? 45 minutes of that is ads. 25 minutes of that is the camera panning to the audience or from guest to the fucking speaker. You know, 10 minutes of it is selling you fucking scratch cards or getting you to support some fucking charity or getting you to enter some competition. And, you know, 15 minutes of it is the actual content that you're there to see. The time, the guests are actually speaking of about something of fucking significance, okay? Jesus Christ, run half an hour, lads. I have to fucking go because they're self me. I shall chat you soon and go through some more of my fucking notes before I write more and try and keep on top of myself. Good luck.